Turn with me to Psalms chapter 103. We'll be in the first five verses. Psalm 103. We go to graduations and award ceremonies uh, to celebrate the accomplishments of people that we love. Uh, a lot of times those aren't the most exciting things to go to, graduations especially. Um, I remember uh, one, one graduation, we sat there for over an hour. Uh, at Megan's graduation, uh, we actually uh, had the wrong person that we thought was Megan. And they, when they called her name, somebody else got up. So, uh, you know, it uh, can be an interesting experience. But we celebrate the lives and accomplishments of people that we love. Well, we need to celebrate what God has done for us. Uh, not only because it's the right thing to do, but also because God uses praise to draw us close to Him and uh, to bring us into communion with Him. And uh, this scripture actually um, begins with a psalmist saying, Look, my soul blessed the Lord. Have you ever had one of those times where you just, I mean, it was a struggle to worship? And you have to say, Okay, Roger, kind of get with the program. My soul blessed the Lord. And uh, that's kind of what, uh, what this begins with. But then he begins to uh, talk about specific things that God has done and begins to worship God. Some great things here in these first few verses of, of chapter 103. Um, we need to celebrate what God has done in all his goodness. And that's the title of my message, Celebrating What God Has Done. Look with me at verse 1. It says, My soul, bless the Lord. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things, your youth is renewed like the eagles. So celebrating God, what God has done, and what are we to celebrate? First of all, we need to celebrate His forgiveness. He says, He forgives all your iniquity. Aren't you grateful for that word, all? Um, in the Old Testament, they had a, a law that high-handed sins could not be atoned for at the altar. But praise God through Jesus Christ, all of our sins can be forgiven. As a matter of fact, if uh, high-handed sins couldn't be forgiven, Israel would have been in serious trouble because uh, God brought them back from captivity and restored them despite their sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not because we deserved it, but in His grace. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, if you've ever been in a fight with a family member, Tension can be in the air, right? Maybe you've heard the words, don't touch me. Or, uh, you know, uh, somebody begins to give the silent treatment or whatever the case may be. What a wonderful thing it is when that is set aside and forgiveness occurs and the joy of a restored relationship comes about. I love what Romans 5 says. It says, uh, if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Um, the death of Jesus reconciles us as we put our trust in Christ. 
and the life of Jesus sustains us forevermore. That's the forgiveness that God gives us. He separates our sins as far as east is from the west, and he buries them in the sea of forgetfulness. We've all known people who uh, say, well, I forgive forgiven, but I haven't forgotten. And they bring it up every time they see you. You remember when you did fill in the blank? <laughs> and uh, uh, what a wonderful thing when a sin is truly forgotten. The Bible says it's the glory of a man to overlook a fault. And uh, we, with those faults that uh, can be overlooked, it is a wonderful thing to be able to overlook a fault with somebody else. The Bible says that love covers over a multitude of sins. Uh, but the scripture uses a word for atonement that means to cover. Uh, our sin is covered. All our sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. We're forgiven. He's forgiven us for the stuff we don't even know about yet. Uh, all of it has been paid for at the cross. And Jesus said these great words, it is finished. Paid in full at the cross. Uh, what a thing to praise and thank God for. Uh, a lot of times uh, the uh, church growth movement has had people that have said, you need to do away with songs about the blood and songs about the cross and songs about sin. Listen, I want to tell you something. Were it not for the cross of Jesus Christ, we couldn't stand here in this building and worship God. We wouldn't be covered uh, by the blood. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, that cleanses us from all sin. Um, so His forgiveness is definitely something to praise Him for. Uh, if that were all He had done, that would be enough. Were He to have forgiven our sin, given us a home in heaven, through that forgiveness, that would be enough. But it doesn't stop there. What should we celebrate? Celebrate his forgiveness. Also celebrate his healing. Celebrate his healing. He heals. There's this word again. All your diseases. You say, well, I'm not, I've not been healed yet. What's this? He heals of all diseases? I'm sick. Or in Megan's case, she's got three things at once. I'm sick. What's up with this? Well, when God does bring healing, it is God who is the source of every healing. It is God that gives doctors the knowledge that they need to fix problems. But sometimes God just acts without doctors. We've seen that happen too through the prayers of God's people. As he just touches somebody's heart, their life, and he heals their physical body. He also heals the spirit. That happens at salvation, doesn't it? Uh, he heals the emotions when we're broken and when we're hurting. He brings healing to our souls. I heard a, the Brooklyn Tabernacle years ago came out with a song, uh, There is healing in his hands for you. Reach out and know there's healing power flowing. I thank you that God, thank you God, that God is a healing God. And he still heals his people. And we can call on him for healing. But here's this thing. He heals all your diseases. You may have a lifelong disease. But can I tell you, someday Jesus is coming. And you're going to be healed. Every single disease. I, I remember we had a man in my last church. 
uh, his name was Dan, and you know how they'll ask you questions before you go into surgery? I had never heard somebody answer yes to so many questions of what you've had or what operation procedures you've had done. I was, was kind of shaking my head. I was like, good night. This guy's had everything in the kitchen sink. And uh, because of all of his health issues, they only gave him a 20% chance of making it through the surgery. 25, I think, 25% chance of making it through the surgery. But through the prayers of God's people, he did make it through the surgery. <laughs> and um, Which, that's another story. But whatever disease we have, in this life, physical, spiritual, emotional, will be healed when we see Jesus. In one instant, in the twinkling of an eye, oh, that it would be tonight. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if God just interrupted this sermon and said, come on, and uh, caught us up in the air, and whoo, I'm ready. Um, and uh, all our physical ailments were healed in a moment of time. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. So what should we celebrate? His forgiveness, his healing, his redemption. Redemption has the idea of the payment of a price, but it also has the idea of deliverance. Um, Jesus paid the price at the cross so that we could be redeemed. We could be brought out of sin, the penalties of sin, the powers of sin, delivered from those things. The word redemption is used of the Israelites' deliverance from Egypt. God delivered them from captivity. God sets us free through the power of his redemption. The actual word, there's a number of words used for redemption in the Bible. The actual word that's used here uh, has a root idea of turning something around. I love that. Um, through the power of Christ's redemption, he turns our lives around. He changes our path. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away and all things are become new. Nicodemus, you must be born again. You need a new life from above. This redemption changes the course of our lives. But here's, here's what he does. He could come, not only is there the redemption that happens at salvation, but God is a redeeming God. He redeems as we pray and we, we bring our burdens to him and we bring our problems to him. And he turns that situation around through the prayers of his people. So many times. Philip was sharing with me this morning. We, we prayed about something this morning. And God answered the prayer before church even, even met. It, isn't that the God that we serve? He turns things around. It's a wonderful thing. Um, if you've ever been delivered or rescued, um, I remember a, a while back hearing about some children that had fallen into a pit and they were rescuing these children from this pit. Can you imagine the feeling that they received as they came out of that pit We're free. God is bringing people out of pits every day. I heard today on the, on the uh, it wasn't the radio, I think it was a podcast, but in Africa right now, 
16,000 people a day are being saved. Isn't that amazing what God is doing? 16,000 people a day are being raised up from the pit. I saw a little bit earlier this week about the church in Nigeria and they're being persecuted. There's actually a genocide going on in Nigeria of Christians. The Muslims are killing Christians in Nigeria. And uh, they, they have been calling on, the, on the, the church in other parts of the world to, to pray, to help in whatever ways they can. But I think prayer is probably the main way we can do. But you know what's amazing to me? Even in the midst of the enemies trying to kill and destroy what God is doing, 16,000 people a day. I don't think the Muslims can kill that many people a day. It's amazing what God is doing. He's lifting people up out of the pit. The same God that lifted up Peter and Paul and Matthew is still lifting up people today. That's his great power. And praise God. Uh, There's a song that I learned when I was a kid. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Glory. Hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. Praise God for the amazing redemption power of Jesus Christ. He lifts us up. So, celebrating what he's done. What should we celebrate? Celebrate his forgiveness, his healing, his redemption, his faithfulness. I love this. Uh, Verse 4. He crowns you with faithful love. Some of you translations may say, Loving kindness or mercy or something like that. But it's the Hebrew word hesed. It's the word of God's covenant faithfulness. Now, God's covenant, uh, when, when Moses was making a covenant uh, with Israel, God was, of course, God was doing that through Moses. God was making a covenant with Israel. There were stipulations. If you do these things in obedience, you'll be blessed. If you Disobey, you'll be cursed. But Abraham's covenant was a little different. In Genesis 15, uh, God promises Abraham. He makes a covenant with Abraham. He's going to bring his, his descendants out of the land of Egypt and bring them to the promised land and so forth. And God, the, it gets dark and there's, there's this flaming pot and this smoking torch. And they go through the middle of these sacrificial animals that have been slain. And Abraham just stands there and watches Because God is making an unconditional covenant with Abraham. He's saying, I am assuring that this is happening on the basis of my promise. This is covenant faithfulness. Well, in the New Testament, we're told about the new covenant that God has made. Of course, Jeremiah uh, spoke of that in Jeremiah 31. Ezekiel hinted at it when he talked about hearts of stone becoming hearts of flesh. That God would take initiative in that. But... Jesus said, this bread and this cup represent something. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And the significance of that was this. God said in Jeremiah 31, Israel, you have disobeyed me. You haven't followed me. And the curses of the covenant have come upon you. But I'm going to take the initiative to make a new covenant with you. I will change your hearts. I'll write my law upon your hearts and put it in your minds so that you will serve me from the heart. 
That's what God did through Jesus Christ. He made a new covenant with us. It's another unconditional covenant. God says, I'm doing this, and he accomplishes it through Jesus Christ and his perfect life for us and his substitutionary death for us on the cross, taking our sin upon himself. This faithful covenant means that God is is going to be there for us no matter what. It's an unconditional covenant. Okay? I don't get to heaven because I'm good enough. I get to heaven because Jesus was good enough in my place and Jesus took the penalty for my sin and the wrath of God and the justice of God so that I'm acquitted for my sin and I can have a home in heaven. Jesus paid it all. And because Jesus paid it all, I have a relationship with God. Yes, the fellowship can be messed up by my sin. I have to confess and my sin to God and, and uh, ask God to change my heart so that that fellowship can be restored. But God's love is never taken from me. His faithfulness never ceases on my behalf. It is secured and guaranteed by the covenant of God. And this same hesed. Covenant faithfulness that the psalmist is speaking of here in the psalm is a hesed that we experience as the new covenant people of God. And it will last forever. Eternal life is just that. It begins the moment we know Jesus and it continues forever because it is assured by the faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God. But God is also faithful to us in so many little ways. It's amazing the prayers that God answers, the little things that we ask for that he does day in and day out. Have you ever prayed a prayer and forgotten that you prayed it? It was just a small passing prayer. And then like two weeks later, God has answered it and you forgot about it. It didn't even occur to you. God answered a prayer. And you're like, wow, I forgot about that. I prayed for that and God answered. Thank you, Lord. Um. That's the faithfulness of God. He cares for us. Uh, He's always faithful to do the right thing for us. I I think of parents with kids. You know, uh, kids don't always know what's best for them. Right? I've mentioned before about uh, Megan would eat candy three times a day when she was little. That's what she wanted all the time. Why can't we just eat candy? She asked me that when we were getting ready to sit down to eat. Why can't we just eat candy? You know, kids don't understand what they need, the nutrition they need and so forth. David, on the other hand, would have eaten pizza three times a day, four times if we'd have let him. Uh, but but uh, God knows what we need. And sometimes he doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And he's faithful in the doing of that. And I'm so glad he is. There's been a lot of times I've not known what's best for me. God had a better idea. And if I just wait uh, for God's timing, I would see the faithfulness of God displayed in my life. And what a great thing to thank and praise God for. He crowns you with faithful love. By the way, he crowns you. That's a, that's a neat neat idea. Uh, there was in a commentary I read this afternoon, he said, he treats us like kings. I love that. He crowns us 
with faithful love. Have you ever just kind of scratched your head and wondered, God, why do you treat me so well? We don't deserve it, do we? I, I, well, maybe you do. I don't. I, I definitely don't. Listen, I, it's amazing how God treats us. He crowns us with faithful love. So his faithfulness, his compassion. So what should we celebrate is forgiveness, his healing, his redemption, his faithfulness, his compassion. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. I'm so grateful for the compassion of God. Moms are really good at compassion. Dads are not as good usually. Uh, you know, suck it up, kid. You know, uh, but but moms have compassion, right? Uh, Johnny skins his knee or something, and and uh, you know, is I've mentioned this before, but you know, my my kids never, when they were hurt, never, not one time, came to me if Sherry was there. They would always run to her. Why? Because moms are great at compassion. They know where to find the comfort. They know where to get the boo-boo kissed, right? Uh, Dad's not going to do it. You know, he's like, well, I'm not touching that, you know. Uh, And, you know, it's mom that does it. Mom shows the compassion. And so, God, in that way, is like a mother. Because he is an expert at showing compassion. The tenderness of Jesus towards sinners is is one of the most amazing things that is in the Bible. And it reveals to us the heart of God. You remember the the publican? He he was so overwhelmed by his sin, he, he didn't even want to lift his head. He's beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me a sinner. Jesus said he went home justified. Or the woman at the well. Jesus says, I've got water. She could drink and you'll never be thirsty again. (laughs) She says, give me this water. And and, uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus, uh, she she mentions, uh, I don't have a husband. Yeah, Yeah, you're right in saying you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with right now is not your husband. I perceive you're a prophet. And, but, but Jesus is tender with this woman. He knows her sin, but he is still offering her the living water. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And he treats her with compassion. He treats her with, with tenderness and gentleness. And she goes and she gets the rest of the town and she says, Hey, come here. This man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Christ? And she brings these people, and they're saved. (laughs) They said, we've heard it for ourselves. We don't even need to listen to you now. We've heard it for ourselves. We know he's from God. But you see, Jesus showed compassion to her. Or what about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a pariah. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He wasn't just a tax collector. The tax collectors were considered traitors and thieves. They could, the Romans said, you can you, you charge this amount, we want this amount, but whatever you want to charge as your fee above, that's up to you. And so these tax collectors, they would just gouge people. And um, 
and nobody liked him, and they considered, well, they're working for the Romans. They're traitors to the, to the Jewish people. And so Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was the tax collector over the tax collectors. Nobody liked him. He's an outcast. And he's standing in the tree <laughs> trying to see Jesus because he's not tall enough to see him over the crowd. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house today. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to your house, the house of your heart, and drew you to himself when you didn't deserve it? That's compassion. Or how about when you come to God with your sin and you're confessing your sin as a Christian, confessing your sin, and he receives you over and over and over again. Compassion. Or how about when you're struggling? Maybe you're burdened, maybe you're grieving, maybe you're hurting over a circumstance in your life and you sense the tender touch of the Holy Spirit upon your heart comforting you. Compassion. The scripture says in, in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He understands. We don't have a high priest who, who can't understand these things, but he was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. Jesus understands our experiences, not just intellectually, but experientially, because he has walked the paths we walk with the exception of sin. And Jesus responds to us with the understanding of somebody who has gone through the same trials. He shows compassion. That's a great thing to praise God for. Hallelujah that God says, well, Roger, I, you know, you had not got your act together. How many years have you been a Christian? You still haven't got it. What's up? Get with the program, man. Don't expect me to come and minister to you until you get your act together. I'm so glad God's not that way because I'd be in serious trouble. He is a God of compassion. So, what should we celebrate? Celebrate his forgiveness, his healing, his redemption, his faithfulness, his compassion, his satisfaction. I love this. Verse 5, he satisfies you. My translation says with good things. The second part of the, the second part, the Hebrew text is a little bit in question there. They're not sure, really sure what that is. But uh, he satisfies you. That's the main point there. He satisfies your soul. He satisfies you with good things. You know, my dad uh, was saved at 27 years old, and, and the things that he thought would satisfy him in his life left him empty. And he asked the question, is this all there is? There's still something missing. What is it? I heard, uh, I heard on the radio the other day, uh, Tom Brady, when he was being interviewed by Larry King, asked the same question. 
He's won all these Super Bowls. Is this all there is? You see, the world says, if you achieve this, you'll be satisfied. If you have this much money, you'll be satisfied. If you're rich and famous, you'll be satisfied. None of those things satisfies the deepest part of our soul. It may bring some passing pleasure or happiness, pa- passing. But as far as the deepest part of our souls, there's something that can only be satisfied by God. And he comes in, and not only does he satisfy that deepest part of our heart, but he also enables us to enjoy everything else. I I was talking with somebody a while back about how things changed for me when I became a Christian. We live in a beautiful part of the country, don't we? There are mountains and, you know, flowers and all these things. Um, I remember before coming to Christ, I, I, I noticed these things. I could appreciate them at some level, but it was like I entered a whole new world when I became a Christian. Not only did God satisfy me within, but he, everything else in the world had more color. I, I don't know how, exactly how to explain it, but the, the sky was more blue. You know, I mean, it was the same color, but it was, I appreciated it more. I enjoyed it more. I'd go to the mountains, I enjoyed it more. And it became an experience of worship. I've got great parents. But can I tell you, I enjoyed my relationship with my parents better after I came to Christ. It's as though every part of my life was touched by this one change. The person of Jesus Christ who came to dwell within me and life opened up. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. If it's this good here, can you imagine how good it's going to be when we see him? (laughs) Satisfaction. Praise God for that. And then finally, celebrate his renewal. Verse 5 says, your youth is renewed like the eagle. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Eagles go through a, through a process of molting they, every so often. And they're, they're bald. And they're not very good looking when they're bald. You know, they lose all their feathers and they grow new feathers back. I don't know if that's what he's talking about or not. I read that somewhere about the eagle. <clears throat> but he gets a brand new set of feathers. Sometimes in life, we feel beat down, discouraged, at the end of ourselves, not enough energy to go on, disillusioned, cynical. You ever been there? You ever? You get in the cynical mood. I, I remember uh, I had a family member. Sometimes the two of us would get in a cynical mood at the same time, and it wasn't pretty. Anyway, we can, we can do that. And oftentimes, uh, things just aren't right. In our relationship with God, in our viewpoint of the world, and we're just, we need a touch of renewal. God delights to renew his people. He renews our youth like the eagles. 
Uh, Isaiah says it this way. Um, Even youths grow weary and fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. This renewal is part of our heritage. I love what Paul says. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power is of God and not of us. And then he he talks about uh, uh, we are renewed. Though this outward man is perishing, our inner man is renewed day by day. That's our heritage as Christians. We're, We're the people of the resurrection. And each day that we live... God can resurrect us spiritually and emotionally and renew us like the eagle. I think there are times, there are seasons of life that are hard. And sometimes God will bring, a, a, after a, a difficult season where we're weary and we're, we're kind of at the end of ourselves, He'll bring a series of things into our lives to renew us. Um, Elijah, you remember Elijah? He had a great day with the prophets of Baal. and uh, Fire came from heaven and destroyed his sacrifice as he prayed for it to do so. And the prophets of Baal couldn't do that. And, uh, he, you know, he made fun of them and he had a great old time and, and all this. But shortly thereafter, he receives a message from Jezebel. And she says, your life is going to be like theirs. Because Elijah had them put to death afterwards. Your life is going to be like one of theirs. And Elijah sinks down into this depression. And he, he goes and, and he tells God, you know, uh, hey, you know, I'm the only one. Uh, they're killed all your prophets and now they're coming for me. And, uh, you know, my life is not worth living. And God comes. And the Bible actually says the angel of the Lord comes and ministers to him. And he gives him food and rest, those two things. But he, he, says, he says, okay, he, he cooks him a meal. Now, what was a meal? I'd love to have been there, been a fly on the wall. What was a meal like that Jesus cooked? Okay? I don't know. Maybe, maybe cooked fish like on the Sea of Galilee. I don't know. But uh, I bet it was good. But anyway, he, he cooks a meal for him. And that, and that is tender. Isn't that tender? That's compassion. God didn't say, Elijah, you're my prophet. Get with the program. Instead, he comes and he ministers to Elijah where he is in his brokenness and supplies a need. And he says, take your rest. And then Elijah sleeps for a long time. Jesus cooks him another meal. He gets up, eats the meal. Take your rest. He lays back down, sleeps. And then he, he goes, finally he goes in the strength of these, these meals that Christ has cooked for him. He goes to the mountain and receives the commission of the Lord and is renewed as a prophet. God knows how to renew us as his people. If you're emotionally broken, come to him for renewal. Worship his name. Do what we've been talking about tonight. Let him draw you near. Let him heal the broken parts of of your heart as he draws you near to himself as you worship. Bring your spiritual brokenness. If you don't know Christ, repent of your sin and put your trust in Him. 
and receive that gift of eternal life so that your heart can be mended. Or if you've gotten astray, if, you, if you've backslidden against the Lord and, and, and you need to be renewed spiritually, you say, Lord, I need revival. Praise God. If we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he'll hear, he'll forgive our sin, and he'll heal our land. If you need to be renewed physically, if you're weary, come to him, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Take his yoke upon you and learn from him, for he's gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your soul. Praise God for his great work of renewal for his people. So celebrating what God has done, what should we celebrate? Celebrate his forgiveness, his healing, his redemption, his faithfulness, his compassion, his satisfaction, his renewal. This is what God has done for us. How great, how awesome a God we serve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing blessings of your care for us. Lord, help us not to forget.